0: Welcome to Curious and Candid, Conversations with Those in Pursuit of More. Today's guest is Andrew Weingart. Andrew, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, how are you, Quentin? I'm, I'm doing an awesome, Appreciate Andrew.
0: Uh, thank you for coming on, man, and uh, chopping it up with me. I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into your story. Uh, but before we kind of get to that point, um, I've got a few questions I'd like to ask you. Uh, The first question is, uh, how do you start your day? Is there any specific routine or ritual that you like to stick to on most mornings and on most days?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. I appreciate the question. I think it's a very important question to ask and that many can really tap into if they haven't started a morning routine yet. Um, What I like to do first and foremost is put my phone somewhere where i need to walk to get it with an alarm i think a lot of people have challenges waking up in the morning they want to start a new ritual but they can't um but if you put the phone in another room well you got to get up by the time you walk there uh kind of forces you to get up so that's the one thing i do second thing i do i've been running a 40 day uh kundalini yoga challenge i'm a kundalini yoga teacher so As soon as I wake up in the morning, it's the second thing I really do after I, you know, brush my teeth and splash some water on my face. Uh, In the kundalini uh, routine, there's, you know, obviously you're moving the physical body. I incorporate some breath work as well. There's meditation. So yoga, breath work, meditation are the three things and pillars that I incorporate. Um, And then I got a dog. So I take my dog out for a walk. I get some sun which I think is very important for us to get that vitamin D in early in the morning, get some fresh air, um, grounding our feet. Uh, so taking your shoes off, putting your feet on the ground if you can, and when you're walking or just sitting there. So I would say those are my main ones right now. I'm always switching it up. You know, I have some acupressure mats that I step on or I do some foam rolling depending on how my body feels.
0: Awesome. Love that Andrew. Okay. Um, Do you have, Andrew, a favorite book um, or do you have a book that you like to gift often? And uh, if you wanna answer both those questions, please feel free. And then uh, if you are a podcast consumer, do you have a favorite or go-to podcast that you could share with us?
1: Sure, yeah. Um, So one of the podcasts that I like the most is by Lewis Howes. Mm -hmm. It's called The Masks of Masculinity. Mm It's a really great book. uh, Talks about, I mean, and it could be for women as well because we all have different masks. Um, He talks about like the mask of the athlete, and you identify your your whole identity is revolved around your as an athlete or the overperformer. So there's different awarenesses that you can have around that. I think it's really powerful. Um, Favorite book? There's a couple. Um, I would say two. One would be uh, the way the superior man. Um, by David Dida. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. Really good perspective on, even, and this is great for females as well, because it gives you a perspective on how to be in the powerful masculine, but also how to relate to the feminine and the feminine energy and the dynamics behind that. Resolves a lot of controversy that you might have in relationship with a woman. And then the other one I would say is. Uh, cultivating male sexual energy, uh, Taoist secrets of love. Hmm. And so it really talks about how as a male, you can take your sexual energy and cultivate it into a a more productive format than just releasing traditionally as you would. So those would say would be my three solid uh, recommendations. Yeah. Awesome. Love that.
0: Um, Okay. In the last year or within recent times, Andrew, what's a life lesson that you've been taught or that you've learned, or maybe you're in the process of learning?
1: I'd say patience. <laughs> I actually uh, traveled to a Buddhist monastery where I had stayed for four months, meditated six to eight hours a day. And I got like the fake American initiation to be a monk. right? And I went to the Lama, the monastery, and he gives everybody a name just based on him reading your energy. And I guess he he could see it in me. He gave me Karma Zopa, which means patience. Zopa means patience. So my karma in this life is patience. And I think it's been something that's really valuable to be present to constantly, um, whether it be you know building my business um, or my purpose and, and really moving towards that and like, you know, how can I create financial success within my purpose um, or whether it be in relationships, um, whether it's like a long-term relationship or just moment to moment relationship with people um, being patient with others, understanding and having compassion that look, they have traumas just like I have traumas. You know, they might be reacting to something. How can I be patient, take a breath and, and really just ask myself how do I want to respond? You know, who do I want to be in this moment and constantly grounding myself in that. So yeah, patience, it's a tough one.
0: <laughs> and and it's kind of a, a continuous uh, um, lesson to, to, to learn I think for the entirety of our life. Is that fair to say, Andrew, the, the concept of patience, the practice of patience?
1: Absolutely. I mean, every single moment there's a test, right? Of patience. Um, And I think that could be said about any and everything. Uh, You know, I host a podcast called Welcome Home and the concept is like, how can I come home back to my true authentic self? But coming back home to your true authentic self is a constant every day, every moment thing. I like to relate it to an instrument. We are an instrument, we're energy, We're, we're vibrational beings. And so you don't just pick up a guitar and play it because it's out of harmony. So we have to tune our instrument every day. And as you tune your instrument, you know, you, you come back home to your true self. And, and likewise, with every single um, emotion or behavior, such as patience or compassion, it's in every single moment of attuning yourself to that authentic self, being present, and then, okay, how do I want to move forward? Mm. So, yeah.
0: Very cool. I love that. Uh, the analogy of tuning your instrument. I, I don't think I've heard that before, uh, that, mm. that I love that one. Um, thanks for sharing that Andrew. Okay. Uh, the last question in terms of kind of the conversational starter questions, Andrew, uh, if there's more than one, feel free to share. Do you have a favorite quote, mantra or word?
1: Favorite quote, mantra or word. Hmm. That's a good question. Um, Nothing that particularly sticks out to me right now. Um, you know, my, my company is Elevate. So I'm, I'm all about how can we elevate ourselves and really like zoom out and be the observer of our lives. And I, at first, when I started my company, I was gearing it towards athletes and teen athletes. And so one of the quotes I said, which I, I think we can all relate to, because I was talking about the game. Right, like whether it's football, baseball, basketball, but life I consider also to be a game. So, the quote that I really would drive home is that when you can understand that life is an inside-out game, and when you can master your inside, and then that what that's what creates and manifests your external, the peace, the love, the joy that you want to experience. That's when you when you kind of unlocked you know the secret code, uh, for lack of better term. So. Yeah. Okay, cool, man.
0: Um, Okay, so we're going to kind of transition, Andrew, into uh, your upbringing, uh, your childhood, and really start kind of unpacking and digging into your story. So um, I was on your website. I kind of read the entirety of kind of the about, so your story on your website as you kind of presented it there. Um, And there's definitely some things that I'm uh, looking forward to kind of getting into uh, with that. But Um, Why don't you start off, if you don't mind, Andrew, telling us where you actually like physically grew up um, and then just paint that picture of what your childhood was like. Um, You know, were you involved in sports? Were you an only child? Did you have siblings? What was your relationship like with your parents? Did you like school? Did you hate school? Um, Just kind of kind of unpack that, paint that picture for us, if you don't mind, up to about high school. And then once you get to high school, we can kind of stop there if you don't mind. And then we'll, we'll transition. Okay.
1: Sure. Sounds good. Yeah. So I grew up in new Egypt, New Jersey, super small towns, like right in the dead center of New Jersey, um, went to new Egypt high school growing up as a kid. I can remember super just like outgoing. Didn't really feel any like anxiety or like shyness. I was just open Uh, One of the stories I like to tell is like in preschool um, or maybe it was like kindergarten, there was like a choir where you're singing like like a Christmas song or whatnot. And you can hear in the VHS recording, I was just so much louder than everybody else. And it was just because like I was just passionate and like just, you know. And so I got that was like the first time and then I didn't realize it then, but that was the first time I feel like maybe that my voice might have been like, hey, you got to like quiet down and like, you know, you got to fit in with everybody else. Um, but yeah, just growing up, I was just, you know, a very like vibrant kid. Um, things came naturally to me. Um, my mom was a great mentor as far as leading and guiding me as a kid and keep me on top of my grades and whatnot. My dad really was supportive in like the, the humor and the, the laid backness. So it was a good combination. My parents, you know, my mom was, my mom actually took on like the masculine role and my dad kind of took the back seat. My dad wasn't really there emotionally. Um, and that was just like a budding heads of my mom thought we should be raised one way. And my dad thought the other. And then at some point my dad kind of just like gave up. And so my mom kind of took charge and I'm sure there was um, a couple things that if if my dad allowed, or if my mom allowed my dad to enforce, we would kind of be a little bit more reckless than we are. I do have one older brother. He's two years older than me. Um, You know, but then there's also the other side where my mom was like, I felt a little bit overly, you know, strict and disciplined. And so it's like, it's gotta be this way. And she was raised by a military father. So you know, everything was orderly. And so what happened there, which I learned later on, is that kind of I kind of let that affect my confidence and my creativity to feel like I could generate answers on my own and and kind of have my own path. And, um, you know, as I grew into a teen, that became annoying, as we know, like teens rebel against their parents. And so the more that my mom kind of told us what to do, it was like I wanted to listen to her less Um, and so, yeah, the relationship, my brother was great, uh, up until about high school, he got into more like the bullying, you know, and he kind of went with his friends and which kind of stunk. I was hoping to have that, like the brother that was kind of there to guide me and support me, um, did my work around that though, as an adult and kind of worked through that, but it was nice. We, we, we played lots of sports, um that was kind of my thing was sports and then chasing girls um <laughs> to be completely honest and um but it was cool we had like a big backyard you know we played you know we we had like a mini baseball field we played soccer you know all the things um so it was nice to have an older brother to you know to have fun with um one of the big turning events in my life was when i was 12 6th grade i got Lyme disease Uh, Didn't know what it was. Uh, Had massive headaches to the point where I was crying. Uh, I actually had double vision, consistent double vision for at least a week and a half, maybe two weeks. Um, Went to four different doctors until one finally figured out what it was. Had a rare case of Lyme meningitis. Uh, They gave me whatever to kind of relieve the symptoms, but I'm not sure if you're familiar with Lyme, they say it kind of sticks, the symptoms stick with you your whole life. So that was, um, as I got to be about 25, that kind of was, and I, I know we don't want to go too far into the, to the after high school, but yeah, 25 is kind of when I was like, Oh crap, this is really affecting me. But to kind of fast, um, to backtrack to when I first had Lyme, I was in the hospital And uh, I got this big get well card and everybody wrote all these amazing things for my classmates and uh, somebody in the middle of the card wrote gay so that I can remember, like really affected me. Like I could, you know, I could palpably like feel it in my body for quite a while. And so that was really the, my first experience of being bullied and then the combination of like my brother bullying me and then the bullying continuing through high school Um, again, didn't really understand how it affected me so much. My dad says, punch the person in the face. If they're making fun of you, my mom says, take the higher road. So I took the higher road. My brother would punch people in the face. Um, but you know, taking the higher road, if you don't know how to process your emotions and your feelings that get stuck inside of you. And then, you know, gradually I just started to dim my light. I started to speak up less. I became more timid. Um, and so there was a gradual from 12 to about eh, 22 where I just, you know, I just kind of lost touch with that, that childlike self of where I was like vibrant, open, didn't really care what people thought. Um, yeah, I would say that's pretty much uh, a good summary of, of growing up. I mean, I played sports all throughout high school, all state athlete, and then eventually went to college to play some football and, uh, yeah, that's about it.
0: Now, um, your website, uh, said that, uh, I think probably another turning point maybe was, uh, when your parents got a divorce, are you, uh, Mm. okay with touching on that and kind of how that affected you maybe in the immediate, but then also when you uh, started to uh, transition into adulthood, uh, Andrew.
1: Yeah, I appreciate the question. Uh, feel free to ask whatever I'm, I'm an open book. Um, yeah, so my parents, I feel like should have never gotten married, but I'm grateful that they did because I'm alive. Uh, one of those relationships where it's like, you know, completely opposite, both like super powerful people, but also very both stubborn and righteous people. <laughs> so, you know, so they didn't really get along and see eye to eye on many things. Um, you know, the connection and intimacy wasn't there. Lots of disharmony within the family. Um I ended up falling into like the peacemaker role because um, I just always wanted there to be harmony in the family. But also, I felt like I had this perspective as a young person that, you know, I was almost like awake and conscious of these things already. But, you know, you're younger and your parents are like, we know better and so, so I try to give like advice on, uh, to them on like how to, you know, resolve things and stop arguing when I'm like 12, 14 years old. And that didn't work. So that also played into me like, well, what's the point of talking if nobody's going to listen. Mm. So that was like another trauma that I eventually had to unravel. Um, in high school, junior, senior year started to really get serious where it was like, the divorce was kind of starting to take head. Very grateful for, my mentors, which were my sport coaches, they were fresh out of college. So they were almost like older brothers to me, uh, really leaned on them for some support. And yeah, then eventually they got divorced, uh, when I was 20 ish, uh, 1920, I was in college, um, kind of forced me to tra- transfer colleges. Not a big deal. I wasn't like a big school person anyway. Um, But as far as like the aftermath of it, really, like my dad lost a lot of things financially, but then emotionally, he also got, you know, sucked back into smoking cigarettes and his health was already, he was already suffering with his health. He had quadruple bypass like nine years beforehand, but it was. And then one day, actually, my aunt, I was on the phone with my aunt, which is his sister. And she I forget what we were talking about. For some reason, she says, Andrew, you know, when your dad had quadruple bypass, the doctors told him he has 10 about 10 years to live. It's nine and a half years right now. And I said, I wish I knew that, you know, but it was really good because it gave me this awareness of, you know, if I want to have the relationship I want to have with my dad, which is like open, vulnerable, connected, loving, I just got to create it myself So every single day I would, you know, do my best to, you know, say, I love you to him, which like we never said, or, you know, hug him and, you know, have deeper conversations with him. So for about the last year and a half of his life, I really, I really have no regrets. I'm super grateful that, you know, for that experience, Um, if I were to share something with the audience, it's, you know, don't take your parents for granted or anyone. I know it's challenging to speak up sometimes. And, you know, there's fear of, you know, getting yelled at, or there's fear of abandonment and all these different things. But telling you at the end, it's better than having regrets, you know, if they pass away suddenly, like my dad did. So um, yeah, so that's pretty much uh, the divorce aspect. Yeah. Mm.
0: (laughs) Okay. Now talk to me a little bit more about sports, because it sounds like Especially once you got into uh, high school, Andrew, sports kind of became uh, an outlet, maybe for you, an identity for you. Uh, and you said that some of the some of your sports coaches were kind of like mentors and kind of like older brothers because they were younger. So, would you kind of expound on how athletics and sports kind of maybe I don't want to say saved you, but they they became an outlet and identity and maybe some sort of uh, confidence for you uh, as you got older and we're trying to work through some of your own stuff and the family stuff.
1: Yeah, I would say it's sports for me was just fun. You know, ever since I grew up, it was fun. It was exciting. I just, I'm the type of person who likes action and like really being in, you know, always doing something really. Um, so that was awesome. I would say the other thing is is anyone who's not in sports highly recommend it. Just for the the camaraderie, the teamwork that you get out of it, the friendships that you make, uh the discipline that you learn, the leadership that you learn. You know, my coaches were really good at creating a balance of, hey, we want to be your friends and have fun, but also we want to teach you discipline. We want to teach you what it means to, you know, be a man or uh, you know, in the case of you know, if a woman's playing a sport to be a woman. Um, but yeah, I I think it was a great, you know, hindsight, it was a great outlet for me to kind of just take my mind off things, uh, be distracted, uh, with sports. Um, but I, I don't, I wouldn't say that at least consciously in the moment, I didn't really see it as like, Oh, I'm going to use this as an escape. It was just so a part of my life already that it was kind of just like, oh, going to practice like this is it is what it is. Um, And then part of me, too, because I grew up with the arguing so much, Mm -hmm. I kind of felt like I, I was almost like a little bit relieved and happy that there was a divorce happening the, the, the part that was the most annoying was just like, it wasn't a nice divorce. It was like nasty. And there was, you know, so if it was a nice, easy divorce, I probably would have been like, Oh, this is cool. Great. Like about time. um But yeah, that's my. Uh, mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Now, in <clears throat> when you were a teenager in high school, Andrew, uh, did you have any thoughts of what you wanted to do or what you wanted to be when you quote unquote grew up or uh, what were you kind of looking to get into uh, when you were in high school? And then once you graduated, you mentioned going to college and playing football. Uh, How did life kind of unfold for you in terms of some of those younger years of dreaming or thinking about what you want to do or or be?
1: Yeah, when I was in high school, I would say I had really little desire to go to college. And I had no idea what I wanted to do. I would say, since I was young, it's funny, I, I read this little book that I made, I think it was like second or third grade. And it's like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I said, I wanted to be a, a baseball, I think a baseball or basketball player. So, you know, like growing up, it was like, that was the dream. Um, that was the only thing that I really found, like I was super passionate about when I got to high school, junior, senior year, knowing my build, my body type, my size, I didn't, and, and, you know, being realistic, I didn't feel I was like elite, elite athlete. Um, so I kind of just put that to the side of, you know, this is what I'm going to be when I grow up and was just really grateful to have the opportunity to play at Gettysburg college for two years. Um again, not a huge D1 school, it's a D3 school, but, you know, just to continue that passion. Um, So I guess I would would say to people who might be listening, who are younger age and confused maybe about what should I do? I don't know what I should do. Um, I would say the most important thing is to get to know who you are as a person. So do things that are going to help you understand and build that self-identity things like yoga, meditation, breath work, the trick to get, and some people say, well, I don't know how to, how do I get to know myself? Or maybe it's like, I already think I know myself. Well, first of all, if you think you already know yourself, you probably don't. Um, I did like a little mini TED talk, uh, like Speakers Academy, like sample TED talk. And my sample TED talk was, you're not who you think you are. Mm -hmm. Because as we grow up, Even people that are 70, 80, 90 years old, if you never do the inner work to discover who you are, you're living your life as someone who you think you are, but you don't really know the depths of who you are. And so the reason for that is because when we grow up, we learn things, especially when we can't rationally think about things. Are on our own. So, you know, from ages one to seven, you're not really, you don't really have any control over that. Your parents are telling you what to do, how to do it for the most part. And then you have teachers and society and the media also telling you what you should like, what you shouldn't like. So it's really important for you to kind of step back, elevate and observe. Is this a habit or pattern that I really, that is really True to me that I want to continue? Or is this a story or a habit that my parents told me that I, that's the right thing to do? And so I think once you start to dive into that and discover that and kind of peel away the onion of who you really are. That's when that's what will allow you to be like, oh, this is what I'm passionate about. Now I know what I want to do with my life. So if you're confused of I don't know what I want to do, some people think I want to be a doctor, I want to be a musician, they know almost right away, which is awesome. But if you don't, when you do things like meditation, for example, meditation allows you to drop out of your conscious mind awareness of, okay, I'm here talking to you. You quiet the conscious mind, allows you to drop into the subconscious mind. The subconscious mind is where all of the stories and patterns and habits are stored. It's like a hard drive. So when you meditate, automatically you access that storage base and then something magical happens where you can tap into that feeling of, okay, there's a feeling of, um, let's say there's a habit of hmm what's a good habit we can pick maybe there's a habit of you know waking up and and eating sugar, for example, and you don't want to have that habit anymore. What will happen is when you tap into the subconscious not you you can't really choose what bubbles up to the surface sometimes it's just random, but let's say that bubbles up to the surface for you what you do is you feel into that moment you feel into the moment of when was I conditioned and programmed to you know, eat sugar. Maybe it's like you're sitting at the, you know, you're eating cereal, you tap into that feeling. And then what you do is you, you let that feeling move through you, you clear it, you feel, you know, did I feel anger in that moment? Did I feel sadness? And once you process and clear that emotion, the emotional processing is what allows you to wipe the slate clean. And then you can create your own, it's easier to create your own new habit. And then you start to understand, well, that habit's not me what is me? What, what do I want to create from my highest self? Okay, I want to wake up, I want to eat fruit, or I want to eat protein first thing in the morning. So going through this process, and it's, you know, it's a, it's it's a harder to understand kind of thing. But once you start to do it, the trick is to life, in my opinion, is feeling. That's another book, if you want to add it, Feeling is the Secret by Navelle Goddard. You don't really need to read. it. It's a, like a 40 page book, but basically feeling is the secret. When you start to feel things when you're in the present moment, I'm having a conversation with you, Quentin, and I can start to feel the words that you're speaking. I can start to feel the energy that we're, that's what living is. And so when you can feel into the old emotions and clear them, you can create new habits and understand your identity. And ultimately then uh, kind of know what you want to do with your life and, and career and things like that. So long answer, but
0: <laughs> no, no, that's, that's perfect. Uh, Andrew now, now correct me if I'm wrong, but, uh, you, you wrote a book, uh, that's called stop doing, start feeling. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, it's not really a book. It's more of an e-guide it's, it's super short. Uh, I'm in the process of writing a book. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the e-guide is really just like you said, what are some th- habits that you can create in your life? That will get you out of your mind because the mind is where all the doing, I have to do this. I have to do that. What do I have to do next? And the feeling comes from the soul or the spirit and from the higher self, from the authentic self. So how can I stop thinking so much and how can I start feeling more and acting from the soul? When you can do that, that's when your life starts to align. That's when you can start to eliminate things like stress, anxiety, and overwhelm. And start to cultivate things like peace and and love and calmness and gratitude. Um, so yeah, if anybody wants to grab that on my website, it's free to download. So very cool.
0: Okay, now what did you study when you were in college, and then did you end up graduating from college or not, Andrew?
1: Yeah, so I I did graduate. I graduated with a dual BA in business marketing and business management. Um, I'm a big networker, so I didn't really ever get any job from using my resume, although it definitely, you know, when my friend was like, hey, I think this guy would be a good candidate. Of course, I needed to have a resume to give to them. Having a college degree really supported me. I'm not here to say that I don't believe in college. I mean, there's there's many applications for people that, like, if they're passionate, they know what they want to do, go to college. But I also would say, like, sometimes it's good to, you know, take a year or two or whatever to find yourself to maybe make some money to understand who you are, because then you could be like, oh, I'm really passionate about, you know, social media. I want to go to school to, to, you know, perfect social media marketing versus just going to school like I did. The only reason I majored in business was because my dad was an entrepreneur. I really liked it. I was good at it. And so I was like, oh, this is going to be easy. I don't really like school. So how can I do something that's going to be really easy for me so I can graduate, you know? So, (laughs) um, I,
0: I love Andrew, what you just said in terms of, uh, you know, maybe, uh, once you graduate high school, it, it, it might be important to take a year or two before you jump into like, uh, a career or before you jump into, uh, going to college, you said, uh, maybe take a year or two and and, and find yourself. And, you know, I, I, I honestly personally um, wish that I had some guidance from adults in my life when I was younger to say, hey, you don't have to go to college, Quentin. Uh, that's kind of like, you know, what everybody did. Uh, I graduated high school in 2006. I mean, to, to my recollection, Andrew, nobody uh, told me like hey you don't have to go to college Quentin. it was just like kind of the expectation not necessarily from my parents because my parents didn't go to college themselves uh but in terms of my peers and the school counselors and the expectations maybe that I just felt from uh you know uh wanting to fit in and 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 you know kind of like blend it and do what everybody else is doing you, you got to go to college it's not it's not a a, a junior college you got to go to a four-year college because a junior college is 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 lesser and just all this stuff, right? And I think that's great wisdom and it's great advice, Andrew, in terms of like, hey, maybe college will never be for you, and that's okay. Maybe college will be for you. But why don't you try to take a year or two to kind of find yourself, uh, work a little bit, explore. Um, or maybe you can go to college right out of high school. Maybe that, that is for you. But I think it's important for all of us as adults to share with the younger generations that. You know, you don't have to do what's always been done. You don't have to do what's expected of you. It's important, like you said, and I concur a thousand percent, Andrew. It's important to find out who are you and what do you want to do uh in life? Um, any anything you want to add to that, otherwise we'll we'll transition.
1: I do actually, yeah. And that's this is why it's important. So there's a there's a psychology, um behind, and it's like, I don't know the guy's name, a psychologist who specifically is in adolescent psychology. And what he talks about is we naturally biologically go through this shift hormonally and, and in the brain as well. And there's three specific things. And this is pulling now from a book based on the chakras, the energy systems within the body and so it says when you turn about 12 to 18, there's you, you want to focus on the the throat chakra, which is expression. And so what happens a lot of times is parents are used to controlling. I want to keep my kids safe. I got to look both ways when you cross the road, which is super vital and important, obviously, when a kid is young. But there needs to be an understanding and awareness with parents that, hey, naturally, biologically, there's three things that a teen needs. One is they need to create their own self-identity. So you now from the past creating their identity for them, basically, you need to let go of that and let them step into that, which leads to number two, which is independence. They need that freedom to be able to explore. And I always give this example is, and my mom would be like, freak if she heard this, not, not so much now, but back when, but if your child wants to go dye their hair blue, let them If it's not something that's going to physically harm them where you need to step in and say, no, 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 like you can't do that because you you might die or this isn't safe or then you need to let them explore and express themselves. And then the third one is setting boundaries. So instead of you saying you're going to bed at nine o'clock every night. And the kids saying like, I want to go to bed at 11, I want to stay up and play games, you start to play the negotiation game, because what this does is this helps them develop confidence, this helps them develop courage to speak up, this helps them to realize the power that they have and the ability they have to create and really create their own life. And so that awareness from parents will then help them understand and have, be able to communicate better and have a better relationship with their teen, because going back to the original question, like you spoke about, I think teens at that age, you kind of, you just listen to your parents because they still have that like authority over you, or you listen to, you know, your, your same thing, your, your teachers, cause they have this authority and this, this note, know, this know-how, but let's say at age 12, you started practicing yoga, breathwork, meditation. You really dove deep into understanding who you were Now comes 17, 18, when you're deciding, should I go to college or not? You have five, six years of, wait, I know who I am. I know what I like. I know what I don't like. Yeah, I do want to go to college because I want to do this. Or no, I don't because there's nothing there for me. I actually want to do this, this, or that. And it gives you the the strength, the courage, and the the self-worth to understand and, and be able to speak up to parents or teachers and say, look... I respect that you want me to go to college because I know you're saying this because you think it's gonna support me and it's coming from a place of love, right? They just want you to, you know, my mom was like, well, you need a degree because you wanna get a job and you need to be safe and have money. So they're doing it from love, but just because that's their perspective doesn't mean it needs to be yours. And a lot of times that perspective is coming from a fear of, well, if you don't go to college, you're gonna be pouring out on the street, right? exaggerated, but that's ultimately the the fear, right? So. Excellent.
0: Okay. Once you graduated from college, uh, how did life unfold Andrew for you?
1: Yeah. Graduated college. Um, big shift was after about a year or two, um, ended up moving from New Jersey to Miami, took about three months where I stayed with my cousin who was down there, helped me transition and get settled. And that was really the letting go of high school things being bullied. I also had another situation where like my friends were stealing from me, my good friends so like I left all that behind. I went to um Miami area, spent about ten years there, and it was probably well, that was right when I was twenty four so that started my journey of self-discovery, self-identity. What do I like? What am I passionate about? So I tried everything from, you know, I got into personal training and then I went into modeling and acting. Then I became a photographer. Then, you know, I, be- I became a, a waiter, a yoga instructor. Um, it wasn't until I was about 25. I woke up one morning in my apartment and I just, I just was like, wow, I'm depressed. I never diagnosed. I've never, ever like said, I'm like, I'm depressed, or I'm anxious, I always just saw it as, okay, I'm like nervous in this moment. And then it would subside. And then I move on. Because as an athlete, I was the one who would play through injuries and kind of just tough it out the tough mindset, which I think is great about athletics, there's resilience, but then there's also that balance of honoring your emotions and processing them and, and, and really being vulnerable and, and admitting that so So basically 25 woke up and was like, holy crap, I'm depressed. And a lot of it was coming from my physical injuries in my body. My hip hurt so bad. I like, I wasn't playing sports anymore. I didn't have like, my body was so, if you think about like a hose, the hose is kinked. So I had all these kinked spots in my body. Blood's not flowing properly. Oxygen's not flowing properly. You know, if you think of a car as well, like, my tires were out of alignment or like my joints and muscles were out of alignment. So everything wasn't functioning effectively or efficiently. That's when I got into yoga, did a class, my hips stopped hurting. I said, Holy crap, there's something here. Followed that continued to look for better teachers that would, you know, really advance my practice. Eventually I always like to laugh at this story. Long story short, I went on a date on, on Tinder with a girl Didn't really vibe with her, but she was into yoga a lot. And I was kind of just getting into it. So I followed her on Facebook. She kept posting events, you know, as you get spam with events on Facebook. About a year later, uh, it was a Friday night. She had an event pop up. I was like, oh, I'm going to go to this. I went to it. I thought it was just a yoga class. I went to it. It was actually a yoga teacher training where you could drop into it. And it was actually a teacher training with a Buddhist monk Ukrainian, like real deal, like yoga master. And just through his words, I experienced this overwhelming, like feeling of God, spirit reconnection with, oh my gosh, this, I knew there was something else out there. This is it. And so I just started crying. And, and then I, you know, I talked to my friend afterwards, I said, Oh, my God, this is she's like, why don't you stay and go to the lecture portion? You don't have to pay for it. Call me afterwards. And if you want to complete the training, go ahead. I did it, completed the training because everything he was saying really made sense to me. And that kind of led me on my journey of uh, self-discovery. I also did a training called the Gratitude Training, similar to Landmark Forum. It's a more popular one. It's a personal development and leadership program. That really helped me get into the understanding of and being passionate about coaching other people, um, and really just understanding my patterns, breaking through my patterns, stepping into my, my, you know, powerful higher self. And so then I got certified in NLP coaching. And, uh, as I said before, I went to the monastery at some point through all of that. Um, and then that, all of, all of these experiences kind of led me to understand, wow, I I'm really passionate about personal development. I really love helping people. How can I combine, you know, my personal training, my yoga, um, you know, my coaching and kind of bring it all together to help people understand themselves, their authentic selves. Mm -hmm. And that's that's what I do now is I help coach people um, to be their most highest authentic self through psychosomatic healing, which is the connection of mind body. To really tap into the emotions and feelings so that we can release those so that we can then embody and understand the feelings of who we are truly authentically.
0: Mm. Okay. Now there's a lot to unpack there, but I want to kind of touch on Andrew. Um, so you're you're you you you're 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 you moved to Miami and you're exploring. That's kind of like what I took away from that until uh you you uh had this experience uh through yoga and this. A specific a teacher. Now, I want to I want to unpack and pull back some layers on when you're kind of exploring, and then you start entering into yoga and 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 these experiences specifically. Talk to us a little bit about your 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 personal like wound healing from childhood. So we kind of obviously already covered that the divorce and somebody you know writing on a on a on a get well card, gay and. And, and you know, the other wounds that you collected from childhood and then, you know, going to college and your parents get the divorce then officially and uh, people stealing things from you, all this stuff that you've collected, all the wounds and all the, the garbage, so to speak. Can you kind of talk about how you personally uh, worked on healing from those wounds and breaking through those experiences to kind of like find your way and find your identity and your path, so to speak.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I would say the beginning of the process of understanding, okay, really the way to freedom, not only emotionally, but also like physically in the body, because our emotions are correlated to our body. When we have trapped emotions of anger and sadness. That manifests as physical illness in the body, whether that's you know you injure your ankle or whether that's like your organs start to get you know you have kidney failure, these types of things. That energy buildup, it takes the natural frequency and the health of the organ or the joint or the muscle, and it pulls it out of freak out of the natural harmony of what it's supposed to be doing, and this eventually creates disease and disharmony. That's why it's called disease, because you're not at ease. So essentially what started me on my like serious path was after I got certified with my teacher's name is Andre Lapa. Uh, he created a system called universal yoga. I started to practice every morning, six o'clock in the morning, I get up, I'd meditate for about 30 minutes. Then I would do the foam roller for about 30 minutes to an hour I think foam roller is super powerful for you to understand the the dynamics of your body, where the muscles are, and if you tap in with a calm breath and a meditative, you know, intention, let's say you're foam rolling your thigh, you can feel, okay, is this muscle in its right place? Does, do I need to use the foam roller to push it to one side? Do I need to use the foam roller to push it to a different side? Do I need to stop and just hold pressure on this foam roller? And so what happens is they say in, in personal training is you need at least, I think it's 15 or 30 seconds. I want to say 15, but longer is better. You need at least 15 seconds of just holding pressure on a spot to help release the fascia. The fascia gets all discombobulated in this knot and really the fascia is supposed to line up and when you start to hold that pressure not only does the fascia start to heal and the muscles and the physical uh, elements of your body start to heal but what happens is is that pain that you feel is a trapped emotion it's mm-hmm. trapped stuck energy and so what you do is when you release the pain from that area you're also releasing the emotion and so just intuitively from practicing over and over i said I would feel, okay, there's an intense pain in my right hip. Let me just hold pressure there with a foam roller. Or even if you're in a yoga pose, let me just hold that stretch. But instead of just holding a stretch, what most people do is they hold the stretch and then they're in pain. They're like, ah, it hurts so bad. And, And what happens is now you're in the mind. And so you can't process the emotion and clear the trauma from your past without getting into the subconscious mind. So again, how do you shut off the conscious mind? Well, it's so hard. I have so much pain. Well, that's why I tell people when I teach yoga, I say, don't go into the pose at hundred percent and strain so much where you're like, ah, 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 you want to go right to the threshold of pain where you can feel it. And it's like, eh, eh, eh. but you can tolerate it enough to still be able to breathe slow, long and deep and be present with your breath. That allows you to presence to the breath, calm breathing, because the breath is the healing, the breath, the breath I say is, is like a bulldozer. And so you have pain in this area. And so with your intention, there's always energy channels through the body. So the, you can take the pain and the emotion, the energy, and you can either move it, let's say it's in your right hip. You can move it down your leg, down your knee, down your foot fi- and out your toes or you can move it, let's say like up the side of your body, up your spine, out your head. And so that brings me to the underst- to the understanding, to those listening, that you have different areas of the body that you can release energy from. Your fingertips, your toes, the base of your spine, the top of your head, and any orifice, eyes, o- nose, ears, et cetera. So, so you might say like, well, how do I know which one? You must trust yourself that if you are present enough in your body, you'll know and you'll start to understand where are the energy channels in my body. If you're more analytical, you can always look at where you know, you can Google energy channels of the body and you can understand, oh, I have pain here, the energy channels goes this way. I'm more of a physical feeling person because I was into athletics. So anyway, what you do is, you get present to the pain, you breathe into the pain. On the inhale, you expand that area and the pain becomes more intense. That's why I said only go into the into the posture or the pain at about 80%. Because on the inhale, that pain is going to intensify by about 20%. So then you'll still be able to breathe. And then as you exhale, that's the bulldozer. You exhale and the exhale, you push with intention of the mind. And you push that energy out and down throughout wherever the channel and you intuitively feel it. And so as you start to do that, you'll notice, oh, wait, I'm pushing it down my leg, but then it still feels like it's getting stuck at my knee. Well, that means you have a block there. So you have to ask yourself, how can I open the, the joint in the knee? And so the idea is you always want to expand your muscles and lengthen the muscles. Because when you lengthen the muscles, that allows the joint space to open. And most of the time, the energy gets stuck at the joint space. So when you open the joint space, it allows the energy to move through and you can process it. So that's really the the mechanics behind processing the energy. And so through doing that, um, like I said, you surrender to the subconscious. All of a sudden, I would just start crying. Sometimes I don't know why I'm crying. I don't really feel anything. That's fine. You're still releasing crying, puking, you know, all these, you know, going to the bathroom, it's all purging. It's purging of energy. So something's coming out, or sometimes you'll start to cry. And you'll just have this sadness around your dad or your mom. And that's just the energy that's there that you're processing. So and a little trick to that to kind of help you right side has to do with the masculine. So you know, usually around the father, but could be an authority, like a teacher or something that maybe yelled at you or a brother left side is the feminine, but don't think too much. Cause then you go into the mind. Mm-hmm. So you can maybe be like, you could presence yourself to, Oh, this is the right side of my body. The emotion that's coming out. Is it around my dad, whatever. Okay. I'm going to surrender, go back into the, into the feeling. And then maybe something will come up, but, um, that's the process. I don't know if you want me to specifically talk a little bit more about uh, the emotional like incidences.
0: Well, uh, I just kind of going back to the question I had for you. So that's kind of how you then began to work through your childhood traumas and break through and kind of start on this journey or path to finding yourself. Is that correct, Andrew?
1: That's correct. And I'll I'll also say too, like gratitude training was really powerful because in the training, there's, you don't, they don't force you to do anything, but they challenge you to, okay, um, you know, for this day or this weekend, we want you to go to, where do you, who do you hold the most energy and trauma around? Mm -hmm. Anger, resentment, sadness, what needs to be expressed to someone that's close to you in your life? And then they challenge you to go do that. So one of the most powerful ways to bring yourself back into alignment to clear trauma is to literally go be vulnerable, open yourself up to fear of rejection, fear of getting yelled at or whatever other story that you make up that if I go express myself authentically to this person that they're going to, you know, it's not going to go well. And I learned this from my mentor, Michael DeSanti. He goes, the gift of you expressing yourself or the reward, the reward of you speaking up to someone is simply you expressing yourself. Because why? Because that that frees you of what you're holding back. The cherry on top is if it goes perfectly how you wish it would. You know, I'm gonna say something to my mom and she's gonna react perfectly and say, Oh, Andrew, I understand. I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. Usually never goes that way, but it's okay because the gift is the expression. And one of the other correlations I've made is, and I really like to talk about this um, because I think it's super powerful, people that think they're depressed or have been diagnosed as depressed. I'm not a doctor, so whatever they tell you, medicine, whatnot, do it if you choose to do so. But I'll tell you from an energetical standpoint that depression is what? Depress. When you depress something, think about you're pushing your hand down on a piece of foam. It depresses the foam. If you hold it there long enough, the foam will stay depressed. So it's the same thing. It's This is an energy pushing down and it's and it's holding you depressed. Likewise, if you have energy of, let's say, your dad yelling at you, it's pushing against, energetically, your energetic aura. Eventually, it pushes so much against your aura, it depresses your energetic aura. And it stays like that if you don't clear it. How do you clear depression? You express depress, express. If I start to express myself to my dad, if he's still alive, you know, I didn't appreciate when you yelled at me. Your aura starts to then expand. You have that courage, that confidence, and you push out that energy that's attached like that you were holding in, you release it, and now you free yourself from depression. Mm -hmm. So my personal opinion is medication just masks. It doesn't get to the root of the symptoms. It creates temporary relief. And it also has side effects that are usually worse. All you need to do is you just don't have an understanding. Like when I was younger, I felt like there was something else there, but I was lost. I didn't know because nobody ever told me I didn't have an understanding. Once I understood, I realized I have the power to do pretty much anything and create pretty much anything, including getting myself out of depression, relieving myself from my anxiety, not, not even just overall as a whole, but in every single moment. So if you're doubtful, play with it, start your own journey. If you need some support, reach out to people. I'd be more than happy to support you and and anybody else. There's tons of people talking about this stuff now. So
0: yeah. And and this is the reason why I love having people like you on Andrew, because, uh, you, you know who you are, uh, and you can, you can, uh, you know, express yourself and, and, articulate very well. So it's it's helpful for me because I'm learning and then everybody that's going to be listening to this episode is going to be learning too. So it's it's uh, uh it's a huge reason why I love podcasting and and getting into people's stories. Now, um on your Instagram, uh you know it says holistic mental health solutions. Now, I want to kind of hone in on that word holistic or holistic, however you kind of want to say it because I myself, uh, you know, am very fascinated by and am digging into and learning more about how can I train somebody in terms of like, you know, I own a gym, personal training, all that stuff. How how can I train people uh, beyond just the physical? How can we approach this holistically or holistically? Because there's so much more than our physical being, right? Uh, I love what you said earlier earlier. Uh, I think one of your mentors or or somebody, you said, uh, no, you, it was your quote, life is an inside outside game. Um, so really starting inside and then the outside will kind of take care of itself. Talk about uh, the holistic approach um, to uh, mental health, uh, to physical health, to overall well-being, if you don't mind, Andrew.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I guess I'll answer the First part of the question, like for you specifically, like how can you as a gym owner, I would say it's either one of two things. One is you just stay honed in and your specialized, you know, you know, personal training and then you outsource the other aspects. Or, you know, if you want to take on learning it yourself and then teaching it, obviously, those would be the two uh, aspects. And I'd be more than happy to talk about some sort of collaboration afterwards. Um But as far as, you know, the holistic approach, there's so many different aspects to it. Um, That's why I love the study of yoga, because yoga means union. So how do I unify all aspects of who I am as a person within myself? But also how do I unify myself with the external nature and energy and, you know, these types of things? I think a great place to start would be the, the chakras or the chakras, Um, because each chakra has a different um, correlation to an element to it. So if you talk about the root chakra, which is at the, at the base of the spine, they talks about fear and safety and, you know, things like comfort. And, you know, if, if I, do I feel, you know, like this home is protecting me, like I feel safe, but not only physical safety, but also emotional safety. And there's different tools and techniques you can utilize to um, feel more safe and more grounded. So that's why grounding is very powerful. If you think about the earth, I always say, use this analogy. If we are the plug and the earth is the socket, when we are, when we are too much in our head, we are ungrounded and our plug has come out from the socket. Mm -hmm. So how can I bring my energy downwards and how can I get more grounded and plug in? So obviously putting your feet thir- directly on the earth for 20 minutes has been proven to take cells that are, you know, out of control and bring them back into a more harmonious state. Um, and then you move your way up, you know, like the second chakra, which is the sacral chakra. It's all about sexual energy. And instead of, like I said before, with the book, Tao Secrets of Love Cultivating Male Sexual Energy, how can I instead of taking my creative energy and just, you know, ejaculating it, for example how can i instead take that energy that sexual energy and cultivate creativity because creativity is related to the sexual energy so what can i do it doesn't have to be art it could be music it could be you know developing a new business and and how can i mindfully use my energy to move me forward towards my purpose mm-hmm. and so moving up through the chakras is a great way to understand and have a holistic Uh, approach to life. Um, You know, if you want to think of it more from like a traditional sense, you have like your physical health, you have your spiritual health, uh, your emotional health, your social health, mental health. And then it's all about kind of just exploring what are different tools and techniques, which is really the basis behind my podcast is I want to actually provide you tools and techniques that you can utilize to actually start to implement and get results in your life. Um, and so, yeah, just you like everything, patience, coming back to patience, having patience. Cause you know, if you lift, if you do a bench press, you know, one day, you're not going to have huge packs and you're not going to be super strong. You got to do it consistently with a regimen. And um, you know, I recommend having a, a community, a group of people, or at least one other person, really helps with starting new habits. So find a friend, maybe that you want to, Oh, let's do, you know, meditation every morning at this time for five minutes, start small, work your way up. I would say that's the a best approach in my opinion.
0: Okay. Now something I want to touch on with you, Andrew, cause I, I, I know that you will be able to kind of, uh, you know, explain it to us and break us down, break it down to us simply and, and have some tools. Um, now a lot of people. So, so I've been podcasting for five years now, right? Uh, This is my third podcast. So my point in saying that is I've had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of conversations with people uh, specifically just through the medium and platform of podcasting, listening to their stories, had all kinds of different life coaches and, you know, uh, athletes and just uh, CEOs and all the things. Um. And there's a lot of similarities with, with 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 the conversations I've had in terms of high-performing people and successful people, whatever that word means to, uh, you know, different uh, individuals. And, you know, there's a lot of uh, like the, the morning routine. That's why I asked that question uh, kind of from the get-go because I find that 99.9% of quote-unquote successful people or people who know themselves uh, have some sort of consistent, morning routine, right? Now, I think it's important to, to kind of have a routine and to have that regimen and and, and, and be able to kind of like have all these tools and all these things. But I also know that for myself, like somebody comes into the gym and they want to lose weight and uh, they, they hire me to train them to kind of help them uh, reach that goal or, or that end point sometimes for me, because I've been in this for so long, it's hard for me to uh, relate to them. I've I've never been overweight myself, right? So I can't relate to them in that point. And so sometimes, you know, like, I'm like, well, you gotta, you gotta lift weights this many times a week. And you gotta, you gotta start uh, getting your sleep and focusing on the, the eating and kind of all these things. And that can be really overwhelming for individuals. I mean, I've set my life up basically so that I can do what I want to do, right, in terms of my health and and my well-being. But a lot of people are either stuck or have chosen to be in a career or a job or they have their families and and life is overwhelming. There, There is no time. I'm too busy, right? So how can people start to find themselves in the midst of the busyness, in the midst of the chaos of life, and they don't feel like they even have time to take a breath? because I feel like sometimes we, we throw too much at people because we want to help them. And then that adds to the overwhelm and then they never start or they don't get very far. Can you kind of break that down and, and help us with that, please?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great point that you made. Um, first and foremost, the first thing I'll say is someone has to want to change on their own. If they're coming into you, obviously there's some desire. And then from there, there's always like life is life. There's always going to be hurdles. There's always going to be things that feel challenging. Mm. Whoever told us or whenever we got the idea that life is supposed to be simple, Mm. um, you know, I wish it was, it definitely can be more simple, especially if you're, you're raised that way and you have conscious parents who can teach you holistic things like, yeah, it would be much more simple because then I could feel like, you know, from when I was six years old, I can conquer anything. But if you don't have that, and you feel like you've lost your confidence in your self worth and these types of things, you just, it's really just mentally understanding, because I would say, those who are struggling with something like weight, or, you know, they're having a hard time breaking through uh, some block that they want to, you know, they want to achieve some goal, likely they're coming from the mind, Okay. So relating to them in their mind first is important. So, you know, kind of just talking about and understanding like, okay, I know that this is going to be hard. I know it's going to be challenging. I know that there's going to be tough times and also setting realistic expectations that are like, look, you know, you might, you might have a session with me and you might just, there's going to be a time where you don't feel like driving and showing up. And if you do, if you, if that happens, that's okay. You know, The worst part is not the not showing up. The worst part is the mental shame and guilt and blame that we give to ourselves. And that we're just, you know, we're just piling on this energy, like this terrible energy that's holding us and depressing us more and more, which is then it's going to have us less likely to show up the next time. Oh, I don't want to show up this time because now Quentin's going to judge me and he's going to think that I'm not committed. And he thinks, I'm you know, this, that, and the other. So Once we have a mental understanding, uh, I think that's uh, number one. Number two would be really relating to that, to, to those. I mean, it's, it's always like a, a judgment, right? You can feel, okay, this person looks like they're pretty committed. I don't really have to do much as far as like in the emotional department. But if someone feels like they're really like they're in their head a lot, they're questioning like, well, I don't know if I can do this. I think the most powerful thing you can do is really get down on the emotional, like human being level with them and just relating, talking, having conversations. And even let's say, okay, I have a workout set for, you know, I want them to do six exercises, uh, you know, three sets and 12 reps. I think releasing that expectation as a a trainer, even me as a coach in my coaching, you know, I go in, I'm like, oh, I really think, you know, this client needs to get this, this, and this done. And I don't feel like they've been doing as much as they need to. And just surrendering, is like being with them where they're at and understanding, okay, maybe I only get in half of the actual workout, but me creating that trust between the person and that humanness is now gonna allow them to open up more with their feelings. And that's gonna release the weight of like, listen, if you don't show up, I'm not gonna judge you. And like reaffirming these things. Now that's gonna have them come back the next time more committed, more committed, more committed. And some people's journey, you know, can be like super steep and fast and conquer something because maybe they don't have as much trauma around something. Or maybe, you know, like my mom, she instilled like discipline and confidence in myself. So, you know, I want to go quick, 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 and I want to learn fast. Some other people might not have that. So they might be a slow, steady journey. And so really, I think being with the person on an emotional level is super important because, At the end of the day, if somebody comes into the gym, you get them great results, but emotionally, they still don't feel that they have the confidence and the self worth. As soon as you stop training them, likely what's going to happen is they're going to go back into their old habits and they're going to, you know, they're going to lose the muscle, they're going to gain the weight. So, how can I, like you said, holistically train them to physically look better and lose the weight and feel better, but also work with them through their emotional patterns and traumas. And sometimes that means getting deep into conversations like you're asking me. It's like asking questions, I think, is one of the most powerful things to do. It took me a while to understand it. If you can ask the right questions, ask them, hey, are you open to sharing about this like you did with me? Maybe they want to, maybe they don't. But releasing that and processing that, for me, I'd love if my client cried for 10 minutes about an emotional trauma they had, and we didn't finish the rest of the exercise because I know the next time they're going to come back and that's progress. So, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, the short end of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, excellent. Okay. What is your long term vision for yourself or goal in terms of your coaching, Andrew?
1: Yeah, so the long term vision and goal of my coaching is first of all, for me to shift. For out of the feeling of, like, I have this deep feeling, desire, knowing, and it's part ego and part, like, just higher self, I feel it, of Martin Luther King Jr. Like, I feel very, I'm very passionate about, like, inspiring the masses, because I have such a deep place in my heart and compassion for humanity of, like, when I see somebody suffering, I I'm a crier. I get I like I get emotional because I'm like, there shouldn't be people in Africa, you know, without houses, for example, or food. We have plenty of it to go around. And one of the most powerful things I loved about Martin Luther King Jr. is he didn't have a course. He didn't coach. He just used his voice. And so I think the power of the word is so powerful. (laughs) The word is so powerful when we express ourselves with that conviction and that connection to source to god to the universe we can really just you know infuse that through people now of course if you know you go to a motivational speaker you or a conference and you show up and it's a one day or two day conference what do you, what happens you leave and you're like oh my gosh i'm so pumped up and i'm going to do this that and the other but then a week later what happens it it all kind of falls off so My goal is to not only inspire through speaking um, and just sharing the word, empowering others um, and speaking truth, standing up for, you know, what is true, but also developing a community of like-minded people where, okay, you know, Quentin, you just joined the community. You're not just going to join and be alone all on your own. There's going to be at least one person, if not a small group of people that you can now talk to, relate to, they can support you. You can talk about your traumas. They can talk about theirs. Oh, I have this commitment this week. All right. I'm going to hold you to it, Quentin. How do you want me to hold you to it? Oh, I'm going to text you. Or, you know, how do you like to be coached? Oh, I like to be, they say like, do you want to be championed? Or um, what's the other one championed or cheer cheer? Do you want a cheerleader? So it's like, yeah, you got this Quentin, whatever. Or the other one is like, come on, man, let's go. Like, what are you doing? Like, so it's oh, challenge, challenge or champion. So, and then understanding how they like to be coached and then really just creating this community of people who are on this mission to understand their authentic self. Cause I think that's what we're moving towards. Everybody sees it. We're tired of the inauthenticity of politicians and, you know, not be able to express ourselves. So, moving into this community where people have tools and techniques that they can access and that you guys, people can do them together with each other. I think really is the ultimate goal. Um, My, my work for myself is having patience in the process, not having an expectation, because if I could sit with one person and be present and get a radical shift in their life, they could be the next Martin Luther King jr. So not focusing on quantity so much, just trusting that if the quantity is supposed to happen, it will, but more so on the, on the quality of being present with, you know, really being with a person one-to-one and, and, and knowing that every person matters. And that's hard for, it's hard for me. Like I'm saying it, but like, I haven't fully embodied that yet. So it's definitely a a challenge for me at the moment. Uh,
0: Do you have a little bit more time, Andrew, or do we need to wrap it up?
1: Um. Yeah. Maybe like five or 10 more minutes only because I have my air conditioner off at the moment for sound purposes. So perfect. Okay. (laughs) Um,
0: let's, let's, uh, let's, we'll finish up with, uh, maybe like two questions here now. Sure. One of the hardest things for me in terms of quote unquote, helping people is, uh, I, I guess I wish I could just Help people in terms of like the the, the their 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 physical well being and the personal training and all that, and not have to do deal with money, right? So, can you talk to me a little bit and talk to us about? Have you struggled with your um, passion, career, profession as a as a as a life coach? Has there been any struggle around money in terms of like? I I just want to sit with this person. I want to ask them questions. I want to be here for them. I want to listen to them. And I don't want to ask them for money. Uh, That's a struggle for me personally. Uh, It's always an annoyance. How how has that been a struggle for you? If it has, how have you been able to break through that? Are you still working on it?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think money in general holds a very powerful energy around it. Because of how everything's set up, right? So there's this constant like struggle for people. Some people, it comes easy. For example, me being able to develop relationships and communicate with people, um, health and wellness really is something that comes more easily for me. Finance, not so much because I had this mentality of, well, I don't really care about money because, you know, I just, what's more important to me is relationship. And, and you know, and being with people and, and our health. So it's been a journey for me in the past couple of years of understanding the dynamics of money and, and finance and also like the psychology of people and how they think around money. And I would say the first and the first thing that I had to tap into was number one, money is simply energy. It's an exchange of energy. So it's important for us to understand that. You know, there needs to be a constant, like the the law, one of the laws of universe is is like there's a constant flow of energy. And so if we're if I'm giving you my time and my expertise and help train you, but then you're not giving me anything back. Well, I'm just constantly giving, 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 and that's going to drain me and my energy. That's not keeping the flow of energy. The second thing is understanding like what is my worth, what is my value, and you know, some people will be like, well, how can you charge 500 or a thousand or even, you know, Tony Robbins is like 10,000, probably an hour, like 10,000 an hour for this. That's where like, what is my worth? What do I feel my self-worth is? But then also, you know, I'm not, you're not just paying for my one hour service. You're paying for all of this, this education and, and, you know, time that I spent to accumulate this expertise to come and help you. And I think the third most important thing is, is setting clear expectations and boundaries up front with the person. Um, I I used to, and still do with like my close friends, because that's the type of relationships I have with them. It's like, I tend to just kind of coach and give advice for free, which I've been getting out of for two reasons. One is, you know, it's just my own energy that I'm putting out. And number two is, is like, asking, do they even want that coaching? Do they even want that advice? Cause sometimes they, we just want to talk and be friends. Um, but yeah, to come back to the boundaries aspect is, and, and setting, setting that expectation up front. I think it's almost like if you go on stage and you're super nervous, if you're super nervous and you don't tell anybody, it could be kind of like, Oh my gosh, do they know? Can they tell? But if you go up on stage and immediately you're like, Hey guys, this is my first speech and I'm super nervous right now. So like, just bear with me, like I appreciate your your patience. So even maybe starting out with that is like, hey, look, I'm I don't like my, having the money conversation isn't my favorite thing in the world, but you know, I believe in like an equal energy exchange and you know, I got to, you know, I got to pay my bills, etc. So, you know, here's here's what I value my hour at. What do you how do you feel about that? And then and then understanding going into it, like, do I want to have some wiggle room for negotiation or do I not? Because sometimes what happens is when you set your value and expectations higher, you, actually, uh, you attract those who are more committed and see your value, which means those clients are going to show up in a more committed way. They're going to get results more easily versus pulling teeth and somebody who's not really committed. And it's almost like you're doing the work for them. You really want somebody who wants to do the work themselves and, you know, setting those boundaries, I think is really important to, to cultivate that. Yes.
0: Excellent. Okay. Last question, Andrew, uh, kind of the tagline for the podcast is conversations with those in pursuit of more. Uh, so I'd like to ask you, what are you currently pursuing or in pursuit of?
1: Hmm. What am I currently pursuing or pursuit of? Well, I think it's um, the pursuit and pursuit of is a constant, you know, to be, if you want to be very mystical with the answer, but it's like, there's never, we never arrive. Oh, I want to, you know, I want to create this business. And once you create the business, it's like, well, then how can I modify the business? Or it's, there's always like a next layer. Right. And so, my constant pursuit is of the present moment i would say because if i stay in the present moment that's what living is all about sure we can go outside the present moment every now and then and be like what are my long term goals so that we have a vision so that you know we can you know manifest these things and keep that energy within our field but the pursuit of the present moment, I think, is one of the hardest, most challenging things for many people, especially with technology and all of these things going on. But it's one of the most rewarding. And the more present that you are in the moment, the more that you're under, able to understand who you are authentically. And to go back to the, the musical instrument analogy, you know, how can I be in pursuit of harmony? How can I be in pursuit of being in tune as often as possible? And how to stay in tune as often as possible is being present to yourself, because then you can realize when am I out of tune. Sure. I can real, I can, I can feel just by someone speaking if they're out of tune with their authentic high itself, based on you know the vibration and the tone that they're coming from. Just as you can with an instrument, you can hear, oh, that doesn't sound right. So being present in your body and your in what you're speaking, your mindset where's that out of tune? If I'm in the present moment, how can I bring myself back to in tune so that I can constantly be operating from my authentic self, which to me is the most fruitful life that you can live. That's what's going to help you create and generate peace, love, happiness on the inside, but also externally, the things that you want in your life. So I would say that would be the, the pursuit of, of now and probably forever for me. Yeah, cool, man.
0: All right. So um, before I do a quick outro and I get you out of here, Andrew, I want to give you the opportunity uh, to share any final thoughts, any final words that you might have for all of us. Um, If people want to connect with you, if people want to reach out to you, maybe they want to inquire about uh, coaching, uh, being a part of your community, where can they uh, connect with you? Where can they find you? um, Kind of all the things. So I'm going to turn it over to you. uh, And then uh, I'll do a quick outro and I'll, I'll get you out of here. So platform's yours, Andrew.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Quentin. Yeah, I just want to say thanks for, for having me on. Um, one of the things that I realized is, is ha- I, I, this could be a message to others too, is just because someone writes a book and that that's what they're great at, or they're an artist, and that's how they decide to express themselves. Once you understand who you are and you become present to, what, how do I like to express myself? And I started to understand that. My, th- my thoughts happen, and, and I don't even like to say thoughts, but my channeling of messages to others happens so quickly that for me to type it out on a book is challenging. I also naturally am not inclined to be an artist, right? And so I used to be like, oh, I'm not good at art, or, you know, like I want to write a book, but I, like, I feel like I can't do it. But what I realized is what I'm really passionate about is connecting with people in person and having conversations. So which is why I start to create my podcast and why I start to come on to other podcasts. So my message to others would be one, you know, constantly be in pursuit of the present moment 2 that'll lead you to understanding your true authentic self, find tools and techniques that are going to help you tap into your authentic self. It's going to help you heal from things like anxiety, stress, overwhelm, you know, depression, because The reason why you feel those things is you're not in the present moment, simply put. We all experience forms of stress, anxiety, depression, et cetera. Everything is on a scale. You can have 0% depressed, you can have 100% and everything in between. Every moment, there's something different. How do we reduce it to the lowest percent? you be in the present moment. And then you use tools and techniques such as breath work. Breath work can help regulate the nervous system. If the nervous system is out of balance, you're anxious because you can't control the nervous system. So control the nervous system, control the anxiety, be in the present moment, be living from your authentic self, have patience, have fun with it. I was like a big, Oh my gosh, I need to be like first place and I got to do things really fast and still something I constantly, you know, bring myself and presence myself to, because really the the purpose of life is to enjoy the journey. I know it sounds cliche, but if you're not enjoying the journey, that means you're in the in, in the future. You're in the past, and you're not present. So, have fun with it. How can I be grateful for the moment, the little things I do have? Smile about those things, and um, yeah. If you're confused where to start, if you're lost, if you want support with any mental illness, or you just want to you know improve yourself, if this is something you've been wanting to get into and look into, you guys can find me at, at Elevate with Andrew. On uh, pretty much any social media platform. And if you want to reach me by email, support at andrewweingart.com, my website, andrewweingart.com. You know, anybody maybe listening um, who wants to inquire about a speaking engagement for maybe their company or their school, feel free to reach out. One-on-one coaching, same thing, which, whatever medium is best for you here to support. And, and also, don't be afraid to reach out because you're like, Oh, he's going to want to try to sell me something. Right. If you're just looking for support in general, you know, I can, I can definitely have some conversation with you. How much time I can spend is of course, you know, limited to some aspect, but can at least help support you in getting started on the path. And then at some point, if you realize, yeah, I, I do think I want to work with you. Like we can talk about it then. But um, yeah, just the fact that you're on this podcast listening is like, is a sense that you're in the right direction. So take the opportunity to dive in and, and explore a little bit and see what you find.
0: And then uh, for all the listeners out there listening to, to this episode, uh, Andrew, the name of your podcast one more time, and I'm assuming it's available on iTunes and all the major podcast all the major podcast platforms. What's, what's your podcast again, please?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. It's called Welcome Home. And then the subtitle is To Your Authentic Self. It's actually going to be launched this week. Uh, I've already recorded a couple episodes, but getting the launching process happening. But yeah, it'll be all on all platforms. So you should see it by July 21st, let's say. Excellent.
0: All right. Uh, Thank you, Andrew. I'm going to do a quick outro then I'll get you out of here, okay?
1: Yep. Okay.
0: All of you who are tuning in to another episode of Curious and Candid, I just want to say thank you so very much. I appreciate all of you. I value all of you. And uh, I would love to connect with you. If you guys want to connect with me, there's a couple places that uh, we can connect. Uh, Instagram, Curious and Candid Podcast. Email, and Podcast at gmail.com. A huge favor I'd ask of all of you, please subscribe to Curious and Candid on iTunes. Uh, leave a five-star rating and review. And then if you guys are interested in holistic lifestyle coaching, you can check out my website, which is awaken awakentrainingandnutrition.com. Again, I appreciate all of you and we'll catch you guys on the next episode of Curious and Candid.